0: one one 5 7, chapter 15, from verses 35. Uh, and this is God's word. <clears throat> but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow... You do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the star's another, and star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual one. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that in your labor, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.
1: Thank you, Al, so much for reading that. It's fantastic to see you here this bank holiday weekend. A huge welcome. My name is Jeremy, if we haven't already met. I'm on the leadership team and the staff team here at Trinity. A welcome to every single one of you. It's great to see you here this afternoon. We're um, carrying on. In fact, today's the third and final Um, uh, talk in in the series called, Who Do You Think You Are? Not a TV program that connects us to our ancestors, but um, a look at different parts of the Bible, reminding ourselves how to think about our physical bodies, how we think about it. As a doctor, I'm very uh, interested in people's physical bodies, but as a Christian, I want to learn what the Bible says about our physical bodies, how to understand them as Christians, how to treat them as Christians, how to use them, and how to respect them. And we've already seen uh, in this series that our bodies are, are a created gift, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made uh, by God the artist who makes our bodies well. But we've seen as well that they're fallen, that they're broken, that they, they can be marred and misused. And now we're going to see that they're places of hope. Our bodies are places of hope. They're owned and inhabited by God if we're Christians, and, and, and they're awaiting their own resurrection. And as we go through, we'll be thinking about some of the struggles that we might be having with our bodies, like self-harm and infertility, just to let you know that those are two things coming up. I wanted to warn you about that. And also to let you know that there'll be the usual question time. So do please submit questions using your uh, QR code on your service sheet, and we'll answer as many of those as we can in in a 10-minute slot in the service, and then we'll carry on talking about those upstairs uh, if you'd like to. That's a lot to fit in. So let's pray before we start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word speaks truth into confusion and light into darkness and comfort into pain. And I pray that as we come back to think about our bodies, that we'd hear your voice above all the other voices. Please help us see your resurrection power and so be convinced that our labor is not in vain, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, I heard this story this week of uh, someone who felt they didn't have very much sort of physical closeness in their lives, they were feeling quite lonely. And he went past a bookshop and just glimpsed through the window. Uh, a book, and he saw written on the spine, How to Hug, and he thought, that's the book that I need. Um, so uh, he went into the bookshop uh, to ask about it, and he went in He went in and spoke to the person who was managing the bookshop, and he said, um, uh, I've just seen a book, I'm very interested in it, I'd quite like to get it um, through the window, it um, seems to be called How to Hug, so that's, that's the kind of thing that I need, I just wondered if I could buy it and um shop assistant said, ah, yes, how to hug. Um, I'm afraid that's just one volume in a multi-volume dictionary um, containing the words how to hug. Don't worry. For you. <laughs> There's a the danger that we, um, that we turn up to church with all kinds of physical needs and struggles and, and we end up looking in the Bible as if it's a dry and dusty dictionary. That's really not the way that it's meant to be. Instead, the Bible is is about a loving God who gently helps us to see ourselves and the world in the right way. Um, as we get to know him in his words. Some, some things about our bodies become viable. In other words, a, a certain way of living starts to make sense. You start to think to yourself, yeah, I could actually live like that. I can see that. That sounds possible. Some things become viable, and other things about our bodies become visible. You start to see them for the first time. You, you start to think, I, I've never seen that like that before, but now God sort of helped me understand something. Um, some things become visible. And then some things become valuable. You start to treasure them. And you think, oh, now, I, now I'm beginning to understand what's important. And the Bible opens our eyes to those things. What's, what's viable? What's visible? What's valuable? And that's very, very much true with the way that we see our bodies. Let me show you that in, in three ways. As we start to think about our bodies being redeemed, not only the way that God lives in them, and and is is saving them, but the way that God will one day transform them. This is the first thing that that we're going to see. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're going to come back to that passage in 1 Corinthians 15. But first we're going to turn to a a section earlier on in, in the book, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 to 20. I'll put the verses up on the screen. Have a look at them there. This is what the Apostle Paul says to a church which is struggling to understand and see what's valuable about their bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20. This is what he writes. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Great words, aren't they? You were bought at a price. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. Because it's true that our bodies might feel at, at times a little bit broken and, and and dead inside. Yeah, all of us struggle with that a little bit. Might feel a bit broken and, and dead. And the question is, what is genuinely going to help with that? And we might come up with all kinds of temporary solutions. Here's a um, here's an advert which appeared on a bus stop just outside our house. I don't know whether you've seen that. Um, for, uh, for Tinder, the dating app. Two people merry go round about to kiss and the strapline, realizing you're not dead inside. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? It assumes that we feel a bit dead inside and we might want to look for a solution. Might feel like a short-term relationship's going to help. Let me tell you, sadly, that it's not the answer. We can't find salvation in relationships. That's not going to reassure us that, we've, that we're alive inside. But the Apostle Paul gives the Corinthian church a much more functional answer to where life is to be found. You see, the answer starts with the fact that Jesus stepped into the brokenness and deadness of our bodies so that we could be restored again in him. He's the source of life. And he doesn't just fix us from a distance you see, he doesn't just fix us at arm's length. He's, he's bought us with the price of his own body, and he keeps us near to himself. We could not be closer to him than we are now if we're Christians. And the Corinthians needed to hear that because they weren't sure that their bodies mattered. They thought their bodies were just machines that they, that they could use and, and abuse if, if they wanted to. Don't think They didn't think that God would be bothered about that. A, f- a few verses earlier, according to Paul, this was their slogan, food for the stomach and the stomach for food. In other words, eating is just filling up with fuel. Sex is just a rearrangement of your body parts. It doesn't matter. It's just a machine. Paul says that cannot be true. Look at your body, says Paul. Look at your body. It's a temple. Not that it's a, a perfect piece of architecture. Uh, Not that it's a a place that we sort of keep pure by eating super organic food. Uh, It's a place where God's spirit dwells. That's where God's spirit lives. This is the dwelling place of God. That's an amazing thing to say. It gives us incredible dignity. Maybe that becomes visible to us as Christians do you remember Jacob says in Genesis, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. That's all we can now say about our bodies. Surely the Lord is in this place. This is it's his temple. It's not a presumption of arrogance. It's the promise of Jesus. It's, do you remember he says this in, in the book of John, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. You know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. For a Christian, then our body is a walking sacred sight. Yeah? You're not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honour God with your bodies. This has immense implications. Let me mention just tea. Firstly, my body belongs to Jesus, so I want to take care of it. Um, our daughter, um, Amy, when she was little, was asked to be a bridesmaid um, here in this church. And and um, she borrowed a white cashmere cardigan from someone who was in the church here called Becca Nicholas, someone who she looked up to and loved. And she uh, walked, walked up the aisle in front of the bride wearing this white cashmere cardigan. You've never seen anyone treat anything with such care in your life. see, my body has dignity and worth because Jesus thought it was worth buying. He paid for it. It belongs to him, so we'll want to take care of it. As someone said, um, to create our bodies, God had to breathe. To buy back our bodies, God had to bleed. You see what he's given for our bodies? So we're looking after something that has a different owner. We'll take care of it. Not for our sake, but for his. Well, secondly, my body belongs to Jesus, so I'll be careful what I do with it. It's meant to be shocking earlier on in the chapter when when Paul talks about this. Um, He says, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never, never. Because our, our bodies belong to Jesus. In a sense, they're sort of part of his body. And that's what he means by that word members. Does does God really care what I do in the privacy of my bedroom with someone else? He does because it's his body that we're using. That's the thing. But we care for what we do with it because our body is no longer our own. If you're a Christian, your body is a temple of the Spirit, says Paul. And secondly, our, our bodies are a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. That's what Paul goes on to say in another part of the Bible called Romans. And it's our second point, Romans 12. This is what it says. You can see it up there on the screen. Excuse me. Paul writing to the Roman church this time. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is urgent, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul has already spent 11 chapters talking about the jaw-dropping grace of, of, of Jesus Christ, uh, the, the fact that that God is prepared to, to offer him for you to pay the price for the ways in which you've gone wrong, so that all of your failures and, and all the ways that you've turned against God can be, in effect, blamed on Jesus. He's going to, He's going to take that punishment for you. It's jaw-dropping. And and now, in chapter twelve, he starts to explain how how we, how we might want to respond with our bodies if we're Christians, and and he wants us to present our bodies to him and and offer them to him, not so that he will love us, but because he already does love us. You see. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In the same way that we saw last week that our our bodies are sort of ground zero for turning our backs on God. Do you remember that in Romans 3? It talks about the way our tongues and our our feet and 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 our hands can sort of spark off sin. So our bodies become ground zero for worship. It's wonderful. John Stott puts it like this. It's an extraordinary picture as he goes through the different parts of our body and how we might want to use them to serve God. Let me read this paragraph from his explanation of the book of Romans. He says, our feet will walk in his paths. Our lips will speak the truth and spread the gospel. Our tongues will bring healing. Our hands will lift up those who have fallen. Our arms will embrace the lonely and unloved. Our ears will listen to the cries of the distressed and our eyes will look humbly and patiently towards God. You see that? Presenting our bodies as a sacrifice to God, using the different parts of our bodies to serve him. It means two incredible things. It changes the way we see our bodies. This is one of the things that's spoken to me, I think, most loudly as I've thought about this this week. Look again at the passage. It is bodies that are offered to God that are pleasing. Yeah, that's a radical new way of thinking. I don't know which, which bits of your body you think are unacceptable. I don't, I don't even want you to think about it, really. Uh, but here's the, here's the principle. A body that is offered to God is a pleasing body. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A body that's offered to God is, by definition, pleasing. That's what God says. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. You can have a body which is pleasing to the Lord if it's consecrated to him in grateful service. Which secondly might help us accept some of our physical constraints. Um, There are none of us that are particularly elderly in this congregation, but all of us are heading that way. Me quicker than you. And it can be very hard to, to accept some of our physical constraints, you know, as, as, as we get older. But Paul spent time in prison. You know, he was constrained by the four walls and the chains that held him. And, and, and then he had a thaw in the flesh. He had some sort of medical complaint that, that sort of held him back. I, I know Christians who are housebound or, as we said on a Thursday, who has got long COVID and he's struggling. People have got severe migraines and it, and it stops them going to work. or stops them beginning, able to think. Anybody can be offered to God for his service, whether healthy or or, and strong or, or constrained to bed. You know? People who are differently abled are not second best. It's a wonderful thing in God's church. Because God is pleased when anybody is placed at his service. Yeah, it doesn't depend on our abilities. It's not held back by our constraints. If you're offering the body that God's given you to him in faithful service, he's pleased. We can bring pleasure to God. Maybe you can already start to see how some of the struggles we face are best seen through the trinoculars. Yeah, do you remember the trinoculars? The three great acts of, of, of God's salvation story, creation fall, redemption. we can start to see our lives through the trinoculars. We see what is visible and, and what is viable and, and, and what is valuable about our lives and about our bodies. Now, I, it's worth acknowledging, just, just in passing, that for a lot of us, it is far from easy. There's, there'll be lots of suffering, even in this room. Um, for some of us, it'll be the complicated issue of self-harm. It's a, it's a very, very hard... Thing to face. Self-harm comes in many forms as a result of many causes, and I don't mean in any way to, to sort of try and solve the problem in a couple of minutes, but one of my friends put it like this, who's, who's, who's facing self-harm, that it's a sort of patchwork of, of grief and grace as a Christian. Patchwork of grief and grace. I've read about one person who's, who's going through severe depression and she felt so emotionally numb that she started self-harming just to feel something something at all someone else who described his self-harm as just just an expression of frustration at himself he didn't know how else to express it where's the grief in that as we look through god's eyes at our bodies the We were created to enjoy our bodies, but the frustrations and the numbness of a broken world now makes us want to punish our bodies. There's grief in that. The world has has gone so wrong for some people that it feels like the only coping mechanism is is self-harm. That's something to grieve over. Jesus weeps this at the brokenness of that. He understands what it's like to feel that. He sympathizes with us in our weakness. He experienced the numbness of suffering and he knew real anger at a broken world. Where's the goodness? Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? But it's found in redemption. It's found in, you know, Jesus bought, bought our bodies and he says that they're precious, that they belong to him, that they're not to be damaged. We can pour out our frustrations to him directly without taking them out on our bodies. He was wounded in our place to deal with our anger and help us feel love and to provide a permanent solution, however weakly we might be able to and, and tentatively we might be able to hold on to that. Self harm, you know, it's a struggle for many people. We can't talk about all of, all of the struggles that we face, but I know someone else who's going through the pain of infertility. She talks about her anger. She says, you know, why everyone else and not me? Uh, she says she feels defensive and broken. She says she feels helpless and sad and isolated and uncomfortable at church. And that's the grief, you see, that she's married and her body was in one sense created to have children. And she mourns her losses, knowing that, that Jesus wept. And she feels angry and alone sometimes. And she cries with Jesus why have you forsaken me? That's what she feels about God. And where's the goodness? Well, it's hard for her to see at the moment. You know. But she draws comfort from, from the deep love and the understanding and support of her church family. When she knows that she's valued. And, and she knows that by God's grace, she's serving with all the gifts that, that God's given her. And she knows that her preciousness to God can never be diminished. It's not dependent on something that her body can do or can't do. And for the time being she's able to wait. You know, these are real issues, I know, and feel free to to talk to a trusted friend about them. Come and chat with me or Kirsten if if you'd like to. And what my friend is waiting for ultimately, though, is a new resurrection body. And that's our final point. As we come to Think about our bodies for a final time. Our bodies are awaiting for their resurrection. That brings us to 1 Corinthians 15. It's down there on page 1175 if you've still got that open. Uh, 1156 if you've still got that open in front of you. Let me read verse 35. Just across the page on 1157 verse 35 but someone will ask how are the dead raised with what kind of body will they come how foolish what you sow does not come to life unless it dies you know we're going to have all kinds of questions about our resurrection bodies that's completely understandable you know what age will we be in our new creation bodies um will we be the same age as when we died or or, or all the same age as each other will we still have some of our wounds in heaven uh, will we be able to fly? That's the question that I that I want to know. Um, Paul says there are all the questions that we that we can't ask. You know, he says our, our bodies are going to die a, a little bit like a seed, and, and and like like a lot of seeds, you can't really tell. Particularly if you if you're not a gardener, as I'm not, you can't tell what's going to come up when you put a seed in the in the ground. You sort of put it in, and, and a lot of seeds look the same to me, um, and then a, a a plant comes up. A lot of, for a lot of seeds, the plant they grow into doesn't look much like the seed they grow into. So there, there are a lot of things that we don't know. That's okay. But listen to what Paul does go on to explain, and that's in verses forty two to forty four on page one one five seven. He says, "So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown that is sown is perishable; it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor; it is raised in glory." It is saying in weakness, it is raised in power. It is saying a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Our bodies now are perishable, they're wearing out. You're probably aware of that, injuries, illness, ageing. But then they will be be imperishable with undiminishing ability. Can you imagine that? What's that going to be like? Our bodies now are natural. They're they're of the nature of of the present world. One day they'll be spiritual, still physical, but but perfectly suited to praising God, the perfect vehicles to glorify God in the way that we've always wanted to. How liberating will that be? The real glory, you know, is is not that our future bodies will conform to our culture's view of beauty, ever-changing as that is but that our new bodies will be able to glorify God and serve Jesus perfectly. And that's the kind of body that we really need, isn't it? It's the kind of body we really need. Created bodies, fallen bodies, redeemed bodies, sort of mapping the gospel onto our experience of being physical people. Showing us what is viable and visible and valuable. Turning us to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and waiting for that day when his resurrection is mapped onto our bodies. Let's keep on talking about what that means. I've got a feeling that the conversation has only just begun. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we have a hope that invades from the future, you see. We know that the grave may be our destination, but it is not our destiny. A little while in heaven of spirits. Then on the last day, resurrection bodies. Tears wiped away. What does Paul say will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye? The real glory days are not behind, but ahead. Thanks be to God, says Paul, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you ask... Questions on slide A, and we'll, ask, and we'll answer a few of those if we can later on in the service, or at the end of the service upstairs. But in the meantime, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know that, up, that we struggle in our bodies, that we cry with Paul, who will rescue us from this body of death. But Jesus Christ replies, I will. That he gave his body, so that our bodies will be like him. Thank you that even now our, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. You dignify our bodies, not just in, in the incarnation, but in the way that you are redeeming us. Thank you that you call us to lay down our bodies as a living sacrifice, whatever our abilities and, and, and constraints Thank you that you promise that one day we'll be given a new body, which will be the perfect vehicle for praise and the glory that's due to your name. And I pray, Father, that we'll wait patiently for that day. And we ask in your name. Amen.